Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Really excited to introduce you to what I would say is a relatively new friend and uh, ministry colleague of mine, a guy from out west in the BC area named Brad Sumner. Brad, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you. I do have Ontario connections. I spent all my teen years there, and for a while I was driving down to Vineland to work during the summer while I was in college. So I'm familiar with your area of the world anyway. Really? Where'd you work in Vineland? Oh, I worked at a winery. I worked at what's now Trius. So yeah. Oh, nice. I time there. And yeah, that's how I paid, paid my way through Bible college working at a winery. <laughs> Oh, that's great. My sister worked at what is now Trius in Niagara-on-the-Lake. It was Hillebrand yeah. back in the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. She Sometimes. could speak French and Japanese, and so she was a real hit to the Japanese bike groups that wanted to go on tours. There you go. She would have got better tips than me. So Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, hey, uh, help orient our people, uh, both from Southridge and the other leaders listening, just to a bit of kind of who you are, your family background, and you know, kind of what you're at, at these days. Yeah, I serve uh, uh, on staff. I'm part of the team here at uh, Midnight Brethren Church in uh, Surrey, British Columbia. And uh, my growing up experience was not in the MB family. Uh, Our family were not Christians. And then when we became uh, Christians, we were connected with a small non-denominational church that then became a Fellowship Baptist church. And I was attending a Pentecostal school at the time. When I was a teenager, we moved to Ontario, became a part of an AGC church plant where I was going to a Canadian reform school. And then I moved out west to go to an EV free university and ended up at a Mennonite Brethren Church. So my touch points across the conversation on denominations uh, touched down in a number of different places. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, married. Uh, my wife works uh, as a pastoral counselor in a residential recovery setting. Um, and then uh, our two kids are just uh, trending towards uh, the college and graduation phases of life. And so, yeah, I get to do things like have fun. And uh, I'm a runner. I'm a enologist and uh, that fun stuff uh, in my in my free time. But yeah, in my in my work life, I spend time uh, leading and privileged to lead our team here at Jericho Ridge Community Church. And talk a little bit about how we met. I think we kind of knew about each other and mutual friends and whatnot. But uh, it was only, what was it, back in the summer when we finally got to sort of face-to-face meet, meet for the first time. So talk, talk about your history with, with Southridge and, and, and with our relationship specifically. Yeah, we. I was in Ontario uh, with the uh, Jesus Collective for the Unite Conference and uh, just always... Uh, interested in engaging in conversation with people, uh, particularly people who have done work with young leaders and who've done work to encourage and strengthen women in ministry leadership. And so just kind of uh, said, hey, uh, Jeff, how's how's that going? Those are two projects that are near and dear to my heart. You guys are passionate about those things in your setting. So we kind of stayed connected and started some conversations there and uh, just continued them subsequent out of that space. So yeah, so it's been just a real uh, privilege to kind of uh, watch and and learn uh, from a distance uh, and get to know you and the church family a little bit better over this uh, last year. Yeah, it's interesting. We have these two kind of affiliation connections, even though we haven't, because we're across the country, haven't uh, spent a lot of time together because we share a, a denominational affiliation 
uh, but we also share some connection with this this ministry called Jesus Collective. I guess for people who are unacquainted with what those associations and networks and whatever are, can, can you just kind of walk people through the 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 background of what those uh, associations actually are and do? Yeah, from I can do it from my perspective. I'm not sure if either organization would feel, uh, uh, you know, uh, if I'm doing a great job on that. But I think um, it does touch on on the question mark between the the differences between a denomination and a network. Which which I think a, a denomination like the Mennonite Brethren um, has a historical genesis point uh, and has a uh, that has been largely related to being together in spaces. And then networks often like the Jesus Collective, uh, which is trying to really catalyze and amplify a particular way of being and doing uh, church and life and leadership in the 21st century is often focused around the doing or the calling together for a task or a purpose. Um, and so there's always, I think, in those uh, in the conversation between the Jesus collective space and between the Mennonite brethren or denominational space, where is the weight? Like what is the task versus what is the relationship component uh, of what's happening in each of those spaces? And so I, I think, yeah, each of them are maybe called to live that out in slightly different ways. And that can get confusing, I think, for, for people sometimes. But. Yeah, it's interesting too because these these networks they really affect leaders of local churches in a lot of ways very differently and probably far more so than they affect garden variety congregants or or church members. Church members yeah. aren't necessarily that attuned to what their local community is connected to or involved in or affiliated with, but church leaders are typically the ones who attend these meetings and serve on these boards and participate in these workshops and events. And so these are things that, that often busy a leader's schedule much more than, than a, a local church members. And I say that only because I would say from my perspective, one of the ways I've described the difference is you, know, you belong to both, you have relationship in both, you really are trying to move the kingdom and your local church ministry forward through both. One does have a bit more formal accountability, though, and a bit yeah. more official, I would say, even like governmental status in the form of a denomination than just the the Unite Conference that you decided to go to because the speakers seemed interesting and that sort of connected you with Jesus Collective, right? Yeah. Like the, gotcha. the, the, the networking is far looser and far more purely relational than the more institutional, almost accountable, formal dynamics of a, of a denomination. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think both are... Um, groups of people that have structures that have decided that they're going to agree to walk together in some way. And uh, some one seems a little bit more voluntary than the other. <laughs> like a network I might, I might engage or participate in on a needs-driven basis, that there's a challenge I'm facing as a leader that's drawing me toward in this season another group or leaders that's going to resource and equip me for uh, work and life and ministry in that. Whereas a denomination often doesn't see itself that way. Still people, still structures, still walking together. Uh, but there's sort of a longitudinal sense, at least looking backwards, uh, as to how that actually functions or has functioned. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I used to, in the early days of participating with all of the things that Willow Creek offered, uh, and our church kind of joining in with what was called the Willow Creek Association. Now it's the Global Leadership Network that we are still a part of. There were some early conversations, this was back in the late 90s, where people were wondering whether the WCA was becoming the future of a denomination. Mm, yeah. And I remember feeling even early on back then, no, the, the WCA will never become a denomination because of exactly the things that you're talking about. It's very circumstantial for a time and for a, a very specific purpose and a very specific audience, whereas a denomination is much more of an umbrella covering of a, a, a set of local communities and leaders. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that's the piece about denominations is if you think about uh, like their origin story, right? So a movement grows up at a specific point in time to specifically speak to a need. Denominations are actually, that is also true of them. They have an origin story. And I, I, I think that denominational origin stories actually come about in a time that is different than the time in which we live now. So they come about in an era when, uh, I'm not a historian, so if you're a historian and listening to this, you can challenge this all you like, but they, they come about in eras when religious life occupies a majority position in culture. And often you have to, as a group, identify the markers that differentiate yourself in a world of competing ideas. And so we believe this, not that. Therefore, we are a group together that holds to these things, not like those people over there. Uh, and so even our um, foundational documents as Mennonite Brethren from 1860 read quite stridently that way. This is a group project that we're going to do together. And we are definitely doing it differently than those people over there. Most of them are doing it wrong. <laughs> and so in, in a, in a uh, it's a theological relational kind of piece, but it often comes about because there's a sense of a need to differentiate um, from, from other groupings. Now, the era in which we live now, I suspect that most people who don't currently attend a religious uh, gathering of some kind or connected or affiliated with a church aren't as interested in those things as the people inside the religious gatherings. And so denominations make more sense and more difference to the people who are participants in them than they might make to people outside in the world. If you're talking to somebody, you know, in your context, but it depends probably how religious or non-religious your context is. So with that kind of historical view, Brad, and, you know, comparing an actual denomination with some of these networks or affiliations or collectives or whatever's for you today, how would you define a Christian denomination? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Um, so there's that, you know, in the, in the history piece of it, there's the theological relational component of, of a denomination. Um, and then there is that the structural component that then kind of comes into being. Uh, and if you think about this in a local church setting, right, you, you're sort of, if you're a church planter, you launch into this space, you've got the relationships and your core team. And then you, so you, you've got a lens that you want to bring and people that you want to reach. And so suddenly now you're needing structures to kind of 
facilitate that peace. So I think that's the other part of the denomination, the definition of it is there are structural functional realities that layer into the relational and the theological piece. And some of that is stuff that we've agreed we want to do together. Let's operationalize an initiative beyond our local church. What if we could band together and do like camping ministry or like Bible colleges or educational institutions or healthcare or whatever, all that kind of stuff. So denominations now have a part of their definition is like the stuff we do together and the structural components of the stuff we do together in addition to the theological and the relational components. Um, and so that's that's neither, um, it's not a value statement or judgment. It's just a reality of denominational life. All denominations kind of follow that kind of a pathway or a pattern uh, into being whatever their origin story is. Um, and so I think the, the question then to figure out is, uh, do at what point do people decide that they want to keep the relational, the theological, and the structural components moving forward together? And then in the network example, you're like, well, if it isn't serving us, we step out of that network into another network. You know, denominationally, I think that's a, that's a question that the 21st century Christian movement in Canada is going to have to answer and I don't know if we know the answer yet. <laughs> yeah, you're tapping into really the, the heart of this conversation that, that I feel like we're even navigating as a, as a local church. And that is, you know, why a Christian denomination is so difficult to define these days. Because you're already tapping into this trifecta of, hey, denominations are one part, just shared relationship, whether that's ethnic, uh, ethnically bound or, you know, historical Plus, there's a set of shared beliefs that you've kind of agreed on, you know, whether you think everybody else is wrong or not, you've kind of agreed on that these are defining for, for us. And then there's often, you call it shared structures or shared mission. There are things that we're going to do together that we couldn't as a local church or as a smaller group of people do alone. And it's this, this trifecta of these three values that I, I think makes, makes defining specifically in one sentence what a Christian denomination is difficult and not just in ours in, in, in all kinds of denominational settings. And I wonder in your experience, you know, even with other denominations, you said you've ex been exposed to, you know, how do others potentially define what a denomination is? Is there a common understanding or have you seen different emphases or, 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 or bents toward that answer? Yeah, I think uh, one of the ways to, test that is to ask the question, who gets to lead and how do they get into leadership? That will tell you something about a denomination's uh, lens on this question. So for example, if you want to lead in an Anglican congregation and you're not an Anglican, you'll need to go back to school. It doesn't matter how strong of a leader you are. It doesn't matter how good you have, are familiar with the Book of Common Prayer. You will need to be reschooled in the leadership dynamic that of Anglicanism in order to lead in that setting. And that tells you that their denomination defines or is lifting up the corporate liturgy together 
as a valued, valuable piece of what they do together. And so the theology of that is important in, amongst other places. So same would be true for like a Christian reform denomination. They do lots of mission together. Uh, they have a shared ethnicity, whether it's Dutch reform or other. Uh, but if you want to pastor there, like you're going to go back to Michigan and do some re-education so that you can understand what they mean by a denomination. So I think everybody's trying to put their stamp on it in some way. And I'm interested in when they put the stamp on it at the leader level, um, you know, what are they requiring of a leader tells you a lot about what a denomination, how they're defining the where the weight is amongst those three issues or those three uh, legs of the stool, as it were, in denominational life. Hmm. Now, in your experience, again, you come from a few different backgrounds, but in your 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 recent experience as part of the MB family, it's the language we like to use. Um, you know, in your in your MB tenure, the the denomination we're a part of called Mennonite Brethren. Uh, how have you seen those emphases, or how have you seen kind of that definition of what it means to be part of and participate in leadership of our denomination change or evolve over the years? Yeah, it's, it definitely has. Um, and I think it's changed and evolved in most settings, but I think in our setting particularly. So we, going even back to 1999, we still understood a shared denomination as a binational Canadian and U.S. entity together doing work in the world. And then we decided it might be better and less, uh, be un, it's getting unwieldy. What if we separate those two things from each other? So even that was a big shift in terms of, wow, we got to create new institutions here in Canada to to support ones that we had shared before. So I think we, we went through a sort of institutional reassessment piece. And in that same era, just using an arbitrary marker of 2000 till now, I think that the definition around family and the relational components of what it means to be a denomination together as Mennonite Brethren have shifted. So some of the shifts are, I think, um, uh, uh, regionalization, like we aren't as uh, often as national in our sense of our identity as sometimes we have been in the past. Um, I think there's a sense of we used to assume relationality based on shared history and memory and experiences together. Uh, and some of that, like you referenced before, is, is often driven by culture. Um, and so people will say, you know, uh, well, you know, I have, I have Dutch, German, or Russian heritage. That's what it means to be Mennonite brethren. I think that's changed significantly in the last 25 years, um, at least in, in the settings too. And, and some of that just comes, I think a denomination is reshaped by the people who find faith in it. And I think that's a good thing, but it's something that really shapes and pushes and challenges denominations is as you reach people, they don't come with those sets of assumptions. And so you either inculturate them into your assumptions, or you have to shape new ones together and allow the bigger group to be shaped by these um, uh, people who are grafted in. And I mean, this is a challenge we can see replicated through the through the scripture, of, uh, especially in the book of Acts, the, the Jew Gentile, there's some cultural pieces, some religious pieces, leadership, there's all this stuff that's happening. And so I think a reshaping of denominations, people moan about it. I think it's just a natural product of the 21st century experience of what it means to be Christian. 
and the, the journey we've had breaking out of an ethnic experience as Mennonite brethren um, and into places where people have found faith that don't share that background with us. And that's awesome. That's something to be celebrated yeah. in life. I mean, in my my history here in Ontario, it feels like there have been eras where all three of those legs were primary. Yeah. You know, probably pre my vocational ministry, so pre a quarter century ago, I think that shared relationship was was probably a much higher value where you did things like played what was called the Menno game to right. determine who you were related to because the presupposition was you were all related in some in some way. I, I describe it as, you know, the, the book that kind of bound us together was the cookbook. <laughs> you know, wow. everyone everyone was able to eat the same recipes and, you know, argue over whose who's grandmother, you know, could could bake certain recipes the best. And, and then, you know, by the time I was getting credentialed, I remember at least in Ontario, like our denomination was governed by what was called BORAC, the Board of Reference and Council. And it was made up of the board chairs of each of the denominational ministries. Mm. And that form kind of represented the function of, hey, we exist to do together what we can't do alone. We're about some shared initiatives, like you said, Christian school, summer camp, healthcare to seniors, you know, this type of thing. And, and these shared ministries really defined us. That's what it meant to be MB from the history of, and we're all related. Yeah. Well, the more we were reaching people and including people of last names like Lockyer instead of Weens, my wife's maiden name, um, and the more those ministries expanded and ultimately became independent kind of legal entities, the, the, the more, the, in our, our case anyways, the denomination evolved. And these days, I would say that shared belief and, and uh, you know, unifying around the, the articles of the Confession of Faith is a much stronger and much singularly higher value than it probably was 15, 20, or, or 25 plus years ago. I don't know, does, does that... Yeah resonate with your experience of the evolution of our denomination? I think so. I think the the piece that is a challenge is there's two things happening. One is sort of a nostalgia that I hear in people for like, but wouldn't it be better to go into the future together if we had that sense of relational cohesion like we had in the past? And I just um, think that they're, they're, that nostalgia sometimes is carrying us into places of grief for what we've lost, but we may not be willing to work as hard at those relationships as, they, as when they were easy based on all of those shared uh, cultural uh, homogeneous, uh, homogeneous experiences. So I, I think that there is a real tension there to name. And then the other piece of that is that I think it's natural for denominations to go through periods of expansiveness and periods of narrowing or winnowing. I think the challenge factor is what is driving that. And so if it's being driven by sort of a desire to narrow the tent theologically, narrow the tent relationally, narrow the tent structurally, um, you know, that there's a there are some things, pressures happening in the world that are telling us that we need to do that for some reason. And I think the challenge is the denomination we're in right now seems to be working at a narrowing and the confession and a set of convictions seems to be bearing a lot more weight 
than it did. So I, I think that's true. I think that experience is is being borne out. Um, and part of it is, I think just when you pay attention to what gets celebrated uh, at like a convention, for example, that'll tell you where the denomination wants its energies to kind of go. Um, and And so that's an interesting piece. Like if you think about what makes it to the convention floor, what are those items now? Um, it, it just, I think, requires us to do some rethinking on what is going to carry us forward into the future. Well, and the interesting question for local church leaders who are listening, and especially for our Southridge members who are kind of real time, individually processing what it means to be part of, of our denomination, is that it, it really is individually experienced, where yeah. different individual people and families will resonate with or bias towards different priorities on those legs of the stool. And I guess as a local church pastor, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate shepherding people that some of whom may tend to have a far more historical definition or a historical identity of what it means for them to relate, in our case, as MB? You can apply this to other denominations as well, compared to what at the at the you know kind of in the inner circles at the with the powers that be uh, are are determining what our denomination or what a denomination might be becoming for today or in the future. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I'd go back to my analogy of there's two stories that every uh, individual wants to sort of know and understand and uh, about the things that they're connected with organizationally, church, local churches or denominations. So one we talked about, that's the origin story. The other one is the impact story. And this is where I think denominations have a real problem that they don't currently seem to me to understand clearly what is the impact that they are designed to have in the world? And so they're f when you're fuzzy about your impact story, how does the work that you do actually make a meaningful difference in people's lives on the ground? You're going to have challenges calling people to in into that space to invest and invite them to be a part of that imaginative project with you. And so um, denominations are interesting in that they don't actually have impact they create structural realities in which impact can happen and the people then are the ones that activate into those spaces so they might own the camp and pay the bill for the insurance on it but in terms of camp counselors those are coming from people and sitting in the pews at a church the leaders for boards and things and so i think denominations need to do a better job of helping understand what is the impact that we can have uh, and how can we invite and call all people, not just leaders, into that? And I think if we, if denominations aren't able to think their way into that space in the 21st century, they're going to lose their way because the that is the way in which all of us are beginning to learn to think about how we spend the limited time and resources that we have. Is we want to make an impact in the world, and especially if we claim to follow Jesus. And, and want to live that out in a meaningful way. And so we're going to find a space for that. And if our denomination can help us do that, fantastic. If it can't, it, it begs a little more of a question of like, how is this thing going to survive? So, hmm. so as a local church pastor in Canada, who happens to be from a, a, the same uh, denominational spiritual family that 
Southridge finds itself part of. Um, what would you say that you'd like to see happen as we move into the future from the perspective of our family of churches in navigating this changing and somewhat varied definition of what a denomination is? Yeah, I am, uh, my cards on the table, I am not a narrow tent uh, fan of, of winnowing. I like groups that have tension in them. I like groups that are expansive. I like groups where the room doesn't all agree with each other. So I get that that forms a challenge for denominations, although I would want to call us to that as Mennonite brethren. I, I think that we have become... Um, Whereas we used to ask questions like, uh, does this local church expression match my cultural heritage? Now, as individuals, we start asking questions like, does this match my values uh, as a person? And so there's something about the, the call to sort of press beyond that and to say, I can be a part of something that I, I don't agree with everything that this thing is doing. And so I want to call people in our church setting to that, to say, hey, listen, friend, we're on, we're on a journey together and you are not going to love everything that we do here at Jericho Ridge. Um, so stick with us. Uh, we're going to disappoint you at times. We're not going to be on about the same things with the same level of passion as you are, but let's work at that together. I think the, the piece that for denominations, that gets really harder because they have their own projects, processes that they're animated about. And so unless they we can see our way as individuals and local pastors to partner together on some of those things, then it gets fuzzier. So I think the partnership piece is still something we as local pastors and people in churches can engage and participate in. Um, and that's a, I think that'll, that can carry us into some helpful spaces, um, but hopefully it doesn't carry us into spaces that are just narrower. So if we say things like, well, you can only attend this camp if you're, uh, this MB camp, if you're an MB leader or an MB, grew up in an MB church kind of a thing, I would like to think we could participate in some more expansive conversations in that. And part of that at the individual level is is doing that investigative work, right? For yeah. for each individual church member to explore sort of what is my understanding or my identity denominationally, if I have any or if it matters to me. And if I do have some and it does matter to me, how does that play out? And as kind of the from on high definition of the denomination may be evolving. Can my identity, how can my identity as part of this denomination continue to express, yeah. you know, That's can right. I, can, if, 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 if my denominational identity has been, as you described through this summer camp, like, can I still send my kids to this summer camp? Can I still volunteer yeah. in the summer camp? Can I still serve in the summer camp? Can I still, can my kid work there in the summer? Can I serve on the board if I so choose? Can I like, regardless yeah. of what's happening, can, can my whether it's historical, you know, as I look to the future, can can my denominational relationship continue? And so it it it's not just a black box sort of decision. It's done kind of individual heart and individual circumstance at a time. And so I I, yeah. I think that that's really uh, really good encouragement. Brad, yeah, we can be talking for hours. I I I'm in the interest of time. I'm wondering maybe just for this conversation whether you'd have any kind of final thoughts, you know, encouragements or challenges to our Southridge members, as well as to leaders listening, whether you share this with the members at, at Jericho Ridge, you know, when it comes to personally and together as communities navigating this 
changing landscape of of definition and identity when it comes to Christian denominations. Yeah, I think that we're always, um, as Christians, called into communal spaces where we're going to band together with others. And, and I would want to call us to do that positively. So articulating that in a, in a way as individuals uh, to say things like, um, we're as neighbors really concerned about people who are underhoused in our city. We're going to band together to do something about this. Do you want to help us do that? And here's some practical ways. And so I think that in some ways we may have allowed, we may have uh, let denominations do heavy lifting for us as individuals and as churches in, on that in the past, because they've been the ones that have generated those questions. And so I think now we're in a season where it's back on us and back on everybody at Southridge and Jericho to go, what, are the, what is the imaginative task that I'm called to? Who do I want to band together with? And then let's get this done. Uh, and and see the kingdom advance uh, in into spaces that are really creative and generative. So I'm I'm less interested and I'm cautious about the hey we're banding together and you're not welcome here because you don't want to be about us. I want to flip that and just say I think there's still space in the Canadian landscape for us both as leaders and individuals to say, you know, we're doing this. Do you want to help? And that can shape, uh, help to reshape some of our life together in a positive way. Hmm, it's interesting. I, I said for years, I don't know if I still carry the potential that this will ever happen, but I said for years that it would be really cool in my lifetime to be part of the merging of two Christian denominations. To, ah, do sure. the, to, to do the, or to become the very answer to Jesus' one prayer. You know, Jesus yeah. with final breaths prayed for unity. And I've been struck before that, that Jesus refers to that oneness of his followers as the primary way that the world understands the reality that he was sent. And so it's, it's really convicted me over the years to say, you know, in all the prayers that I offer to Jesus, he only offered one and I can be the answer to it. So what does it take for me to be the answer to the one prayer of the one who answers all of mine? And I, I really like that hunkering down, seeing where the kingdom can expand, where Jesus can move in your life and in your community and banding with people better in a, in a unified way to make that happen. That's a, that's a great challenge and encouragement. Yeah. It's beautiful. Brad, thanks so much for being here. I hope you're not a stranger to uh, our conversations in the future. I'd love to pick your brain on all things Jesus collective and Jesus centered, but we'll do that another time. Okay. Right on. Well, thanks for the invite. And yeah, just in in this new year and new season, uh, just a real blessing on you and and on the church uh, in these creative times that God's calling us into. Fantastic. Thanks again. And to all of you uh, who continue tracking with us, thanks for being here today. We'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody.